Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Hey guys, it's time for yet another edition of Penn Live's Blue White Breakdown podcast, all about Penn State football. I'm Bob Flounders. Dave Jones is in Downingtown with his Oregon Ducks t shirt. His hair looks fantastic. He's recovered from the whiteout experience. It wasn't easy, but he did it. He just listened to James Franklin's Tuesday news conference. We're going to talk a little bit about that. It's Villanova week for Penn State, an FCS school that actually has a three-game winning streak over Penn State. I don't think anyone cares about that. <laughs> Is that true? They won know. the last three meetings. So I'm sure Franklin emphasized that to the team in the speech. He did go over every conceivable FCS win over FBS wins. You, you know, when you get to New Mexico State losing, you probably cross the line. I, I, I'm not sure that's germane to this game. We're talking about how Connecticut lost to somebody in 2015. Probably not germane. I don't know. Let's get started with a couple of things. I think you probably noticed what I did. Uh, it's pretty clear that Coach Franklin in his eighth year was not very happy with maybe the way the game was called. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best part about that is that we've all kind of moved on. We've been making our jokes. And, you know, I actually raised uh, Dave Witt that I'm asking in the mailbag for Dave Witt that and uh, fond <laughs> memories of, of John O'Neill and stuff like that. But as far as talking to Franklin, we've kind of moved on, you know, and yeah. so... The funny part was nobody asked him about it and he couldn't stand that no one had asked him about it. So so he said at the end, he goes, Chris, uh, I, I'm going to have a few more things afterwards. So don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he emptied the vault. It was tremendous. So let me see if I can remember them all. So he cited four different calls. I think uh, both of the intentional groundings he had a big problem with. Yeah, because uh, Clifford, while he it was a route mix up and it was an adjustment. It, yeah, it was a route mix up. And they are told you can't assume what the quarterback and the wide receiver are thinking. So that that is not germane to the call. But what is is the quarterback needs to be under duress. So he and, and Clifford clearly wasn't. So it shouldn't have been flagged. Uh, he mentioned the Bo Nix grounding that the ref said he was out of the pocket. And remember in the, in the press box, I was going, he wasn't in the pocket. Yeah. But you were like, there's a receiver in the area. I'm like, he (laughs) threw it to Portugal, Dave. Like he almost threw it out of the stadium. Yeah, I did. I mentioned the receiver in the area, but that was pretty, pretty squirrely. Maybe Uh, that third down thing might've upset him a little. Yeah. But he didn't even mention that. I mean, that, that goes without saying. 
So so he did mention that uh, on the PJ Mustafer fake punt, the center was covered, which can't happen on a punt. So he hated, hated that. And the Brandon Smith um, hit out of bounds, which was probably the most ridiculous of all of them when you get right down to it. Fighting more than Auburn was what he said at the beginning of the. <laughs> I felt, yeah, yeah, I was I was I was probably a little heated because I felt like we were fighting more than Auburn. Yeah, yeah, his cryptic comment. It was like it was like I'm not mad about this, but and it, it kept coming up. <laughs> and the point that was the great part was no one asked him about any of it. But he just kept bringing it up, which was fantastic. What was what was the thing he said about? I just want to make sure our staff knows how how uh, these things should be uh, should be called <laughs> like that was why he was bringing it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I hopefully now that he's gotten some things off of his chest, <laughs> he can get ready for the Wildcats. But I think that he, the venting was probably, I could just, can you just imagine him, Dave, like Sunday morning to, to Tuesday morning, just saying, Oh man, I can't wait for them to ask me about this. <laughs> I know. I and, then, and then no I have one it all, said it I have it all programmed out <laughs> and no one did it. He almost, he almost spontaneously combusted during the, you know, uh, that, that reminded me a little bit of O'Brien. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> O'Brien in that situation? Yeah. He would, he would have lost. <laughs> what jumped out to you? Anything particular jump out to you other than, than his rant? Uh, you know, this might be silly, but, who was it? I think who was it? Who asked him about the blue mood lighting in the tunnel? John Potashnik, I think his name is yeah. like that. And he was all it was so clear. This is how all encompassing this guy is. This guy's about branding. Yeah. And he was all over it. He wanted to talk about that. I, it was almost like it was teed up for him. But but probably was. Yeah. But he said he wanted to present everything as first class at Penn state. And I guess he looked at that tunnel when the, they always have a camera view of it. And yeah. even though the camera's on from network TV, you want it to look good. And he thought that looked, uh, it's not exactly the steam coming out in Miami, you know, it's right. not real exciting. So he wanted something. What, what I, what I thought of is, can you imagine Brian Harson being concerned <laughs> about something like that? <laughs> Dave, at the end of the day, what's another $1.3 million? That's probably, that's probably the bottom line or whatever yeah, that is. I suppose. Yeah. You need some mood lighting like that around you. It's what, what, <laughs> what we should be doing. I, uh, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about with you, Dave, I'm surprised he didn't bring it up in his opening re- re- remarks, but he talked about, you know, the will to win and the mental toughness. And, you know, he was really proud of his team. Obviously he was talking maybe about the, penalties and, and the calls that went against Penn state that never should have probably uh, been made, but also their two biggest games to date, that defense has had to make a goal line stand and it's not an easy thing to do. They was first and goal from the one man at Wisconsin and Graham Mertz obviously helped out with that, but their red zone defense to me um, out of all the things that I think the fan base kind of should be excited about. They are, they are tough hombres in the red zone. They've uh, they've, they've the defense has faced 11 red zone possessions this year. There have been five empty red zone possessions that they forced. So they've given up scores on only six of them and they've only allowed four touchdowns in 11 red zone possessions. And, you know, they're doing it against some pretty nice offensive lines or some pretty fantastic there's some skilled players. I guess the, one of the common denominators is they were fortunate that the quarterbacks weren't great in the red zone. But yeah, that is, that is the they, common denominator, still, isn't it? Though yeah. their pass defense in the red zone, you know, 
Uh, Brisker was in position on that fourth down play that even if it was on target, I don't think it was going to be complete against Wisconsin. You know, he makes the interception, but before that Joey Porter foils a touchdown, he's, he's in a zone. He comes off of his, into his office zone and just tips that ball away. I think in the right corner, but I just have been very, this team is nasty in the red zone. They compete on every play and their pass defense to me is so much more improved. I wonder how much of that is the new safety coach, Anthony Poindexter. Obviously, Brisker's a great athlete, but these guys are in position to make plays on the ball. They are, and they just weren't last year. I think it, a lot of this kind of thing, it, you can say that in a football game, every play you should be 100%. That isn't the reality. It just yeah. isn't. And these guys know how to do it. Uh, Joshua Perry was on the Big, Big Ten Network, and he really he was, he was talking about how they, they know how to bow up. Um, and that really is what it's about with those guys in the trenches, man. I mean, they get low, yeah. they come hard. And I think, I think Brandon Smith, man, what a game he played. Filling in he was one of my guys there. I was on him early, Dave. I was on you him were, early. You know that. Uh, they just got guys with attitude. When you talk about Porter and Smith and Brisker. Luchetta. Yeah. Luchetta. This, this, this is not, like a team full of really elite athletes. I wouldn't use, I wouldn't except for a couple, but look, this is what I'm saying. They are dogs, man. They, they scrap and claw and don't quit on plays no matter where they are on the field. Sometimes you see them come from 10 or 15 yards off a play at scrimmage and run it down from behind. That's stuff that bodes well for them in the future. Yeah, and uh, I, 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 they do remind me. I, I don't. I think this is a pretty athletic defense, especially when you look at the linebackers and the defensive backs. You, how about Joey Porter's speed on that fumble return that was called back? Like there, he was widening on on everyone. That guy is fast. Uh, Tariq Castro Fields was playing some nice man to man. There's not a lot of separation. Brisker can run. Brandon Smith can run. Curtis Jacobs can run. I think even though PJ Mustafer is 330 pounds, he's a pretty athletic, big body. Obviously, Ebikidi. Uh, can move as well. I do see some similarities between this defense and the 05 defense. Um, maybe not at the top talent level because those guys, you know, Tom Holly and Pazluzny. That's and what, that's what I meant. I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking about the very right. elite. Even if you watch Auburn at the beginning of the game, how yeah. incredibly quick they were, uh, you, you can't really yeah. trust that until you get 15 or 20 or 25 plays into the game. Yeah. And these guys are great. After that, yeah. I mean, they they are playing as hard and relatively as fast at the end of the game as anyone you'll see. Yes. Yes. And l- like you said, maybe it's not, you know, 100 percent effort on every one of the snaps. But, man, as the field sh- as the field shrinks and they know they got to make plays, it looks to me like they're playing a lot harder than the guys that are on the other side of the field. It just feels that way to me. And I always think that shows up in the red zone. I think it's just been uh, those two goal line stands really, really jump out to me against one against Wisconsin, obviously, and one against Auburn because, you know, the, the quarterback wasn't great, but that those running backs for Auburn were very good. And I, every, I was in the press box, Dave, and I thought every time that Bigsby had the ball, he had a chance to take it to the house. He's that good. And you just kind of hold your breath that they're going to be able to get him to the ground. That, that speaks to how they were gap attentive. Yeah. 
they always had somebody in the right place. And if someone wasn't in the right place, they got there in a hurry. I, I also thought that Franklin, what, what, what interested me about, and I started thinking about this on Sunday, about what the job really entails now as head coach. And if you're at this top level of FBS, when you have recruiting weekends like this, yeah. I think Mark Brennan asked me if he'd ever had this many recruits yeah. on. And, and Franklin's perfect for this. Can you imagine how good he is compared mm-hmm. to some guys at simply remembering everybody's name and who they are by, yeah. by their face? And because you, you have to, you're, you're right. greeting them and how, how are you doing, whatever your name is. I, I mean, can you imagine how all-encompassing that would be yeah. on Friday before, the, before you even really start what is supposed to be your job, but this is your job in college football? This yeah. is so much part of your job in college football. I can't imagine anyone better than, than Franklin at yeah. this. And that's, that's yeah. why the recruiting classes have been what they are. I'll bet he, he might have close to, uh, and I'm serious, he might have close to a photographic memory. I think that you're right. I, I think he knows the names of guys that he is recruiting. I think he knows, he remembers the names of guys he recruited and didn't even get. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember after the 2015 Tax Slayer Bowl, they lost to Georgia. He came out of the locker room after he met with us. And he, he saw Georgia kids like walking by. He saw kids that were out of uniform that played for Georgia and he, he was hugging them, shaking their hands, talking to them. And he would, that, those are clearly guys he probably had recruited to try and get the, get, get them to come to either Auburn or uh, Vanderbilt or Penn state. But, but to have that kind of Rolodex, you know, running around inside your brain is very impressive. And it's got to be morally of, exhausting. Yeah. This, that's part of this job. The best coaches at college football had always been able to do that. That's the difference between college football and pro football. And right. if you really want to be a part of that anymore, you shouldn't be a college football coach. And that's part of the reason some guys go to the NFL and they're like, I like this better. I don't really need all that other right. part of the job. Cause it's a, it's gotta be either you have that gift or you don't. Yeah. It's the blue white breakdown Penn state, Penn Lies, Penn state football podcast, David Jones and Bob Flanders here. How about his thoughts on the tight end position and how they're really, that's a chore to get them physically ready to play. Cause they're, they, they're, they're just basically big wideouts. They've always been big wideouts. Uh, they don't, they, you don't really see massive blocking tight ends, you know, in high school. And now that he can kind of be patient with them because they're a deeper program when they do hit the field, they're ready to go and they're making an impact right away. Whereas it took Mike Kosicki three, three years, the 2016 season, to get his confidence and also to get his phys- his body physically ready to play as a as a receiver, not so much a blocker. Yeah, now we got we've got three guys: Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, Brenton Strange, who have seen big minutes already yeah. and have made big plays. Strange and Johnson had a couple of huge catches, and then Warren is <laughs> scores a touchdown, and they they wanted him to score another one, but that was probably a I, I don't, I, I don't remember that play as far as whether it was well, well blocked. I think, I think Warren was going to throw a pass. Don't you on the it, second it looked one? Like, they, yeah, they, they had a, they had a throw built into the sequence and, and uh, the guy never got open in the flat. I think the Auburn guy, uh, there was a guy I think next to him in the backfield that was supposed to get the, the ball in the left flat, but the Auburn guy wasn't fooled. And he kind of, he didn't have any momentum. He had to pull it down and really the play was over, but I think that was going to be a pass. Yes. It used to be a tight end had to block. 
I think we proved with Gesicki, well, maybe they don't uh, because they can be such a threat down the field. I believe Gesicki with the Dolphins has become – is is he a three down player or not? I don't even know. Uh, he he's NFL. primarily just a big receiver in that offense. Yeah, he's not, and he's not really a blocker. And that's okay. That's yeah. okay now. That never used to be okay in the in the past. And that was kind of kind of uh, Franklin's point that it's a different position than it used to be in the past, and the, they're not going to redo it. But these are big guys who it, it was it was remarkable to me how. Yursich went from point A to point B to point C, just probing. Uh, first, they discovered that they weren't going to get Dotson open deep. They weren't going to allow it. Uh, Auburn had decided, and their their defensive coordinator, Derek Mason, the old uh, head coach from Vanderbilt who, who followed Franklin, they, he clearly decided they weren't going to allow those explosive plays because it's been so much a, a part of the Penn State offense. So he started running Dotson underneath and looking for the tight end. It's the tight ends that that give him the explosion. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Dave, I thought one of the more interesting things about the game, I know, I know it's Villanova week, but we're going to talk about Auburn because it was just such a, a really, really, I thought a riveting game, a well-played game, a hard-fought game on both sides. Sean Clifford finished 28 of 32 for 280 yards. He did throw a pick late in the first half, but Dave, what was the most important pass of the game? Here's a hint. It didn't count as an attempt. I don't know what you're thinking. Jahan Dotson's pass interference call that got him off the goal line. Oh, well, I don't know if that's the most important in the game. That it changed the field position. They, they had to, Okay, it's important, but I, yeah. I wouldn't call it I don't I, wouldn't call it the most important in the boy, game. I, I think that was the most important because I don't I don't know if it was the first or second down throw, but I mean they were literally I mean they're on the one and a half yard line in Auburn. There wasn't a lot of room. I think he was actually in the shotgun. Uh, and it, I, I think it might've been a second down play. Cause I think Noah Kane, it was, a, it was a second down. It was, was a second down play. They almost down. got a safety with Kane on first down. Yeah. Uh, okay. Your point's well taken. I, I think that was a pretty important throw. Cause he had to throw it just right to draw the call. And they got, yeah, he, he threw it out there so that an inter- interference call was uh, more likely to, um, yeah. I, I wasn't even sure which uh, team you were talking about, but. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was talking about Clifford. I thought you, I, I thought you were back Nix's throw on fourth and goal at the two was yeah. That was supposed to be a rub route and it was just badly executed from the get-go. And Nix kind of just got rid of it uh before he knew what he was throwing to or throwing at. And there was nothing there. And Joey Porter, Joey Porter did just enough. Sometimes it's it's not about coverage in in a way that's textbook you have to have a feel for for what is going to be called and what isn't god knows what these guys were going to call but the white on in that case was hand fighting him it was that 11 i can't i can't remember or zero and they were hand fighting but equally so and he wasn't going to give up his ground and it actually looked he, he made it look like and i don't know if it exactly was this way but the auburn wide out look it made it look like he dragged him kind of to the ground 
And it's it's all about the way it looks sometimes as more, more as much or more than the way it actually is. And these guys are really good at covering it, hitting the, the very border of when they're going to call interference, but making it look good. I thought that was a, a huge because in many cases that flag could have fallen. But Joey Porter made it look really good. And as good as Clifford's numbers uh, were, and obviously when you, he only had four incompletions, it's significant. Um, one of them was interception, but the ability of the Penn state receivers to catch difficult balls that aren't necessarily on target. Dotson did it two or three or four times. I think Parker Washington did it, you know, a couple of times as well. It's impressive to see the tight ends catch the ball the way that they do. Uh, Sean was able to get some guys, the ball uh, in stride. And that's, that's, you know, that really helps create some big plays, but really I've been really impressed with the receipt, even Keandre Lambert Smith. Um, you, you, you don't see a lot of drops in the Penn State passing game. And that's probably a tribute to Stubblefield, the, the second year receivers coach. But also, I just get the sense that Mike Yersich is a really, really, really harps on details and gets after people. Precise route running. The ball's got to be here. Sean, you want to throw it here. But even when he wasn't accurate, those guys bailed him out. <laughs> there were more than a few, right? Yeah. I'm kind of fascinated with how Franklin said that every game, every day, he and Yursich are gaining a groove, like a catcher and a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. The pitcher knows what the catcher is going to call before the, before he even calls anything, then the, it's a seamless process. That's what yeah. you do between a head coach and an OC. The, o, the OC should just take over. There should not have to be any meddling. So the, the head coach is always going to want his philosophy to be filled. And, and that's a problem if they're not on the same page. Yursich is free to do whatever the hell he wants. That's pretty clear. Franklin's very happy with him. And that allows Yursich to kind of engender trust in all the players. When the players understand this guy's in charge and he knows exactly what he's doing, you want to perform for him. Uh, yeah. If you've ever, when I, when I played basketball with certain guys, you love playing with them as much as yeah. you hate playing against them because you want to please them. They know yeah. what's going on out there. They're the maestros, a great point guard. You don't want to disappoint them. Like when you get an open shot that they've gotten you because they're such great guys at seeing the floor and knowing where you are and it's right in your shooting pocket. You don't want to miss you, you appreciate that. And that might have something to do with all how these players, the receivers you're talking about are performing. Yeah. They're not dropping anything, man. They are catching every single, I, I can only remember Parker Washington on one low throw that might've been considered a drop, but even that is kind of stretching it. They've caught yeah. everything. I think the fan base, I think we appreciate your creativity and unpredictability I also think that you talking about Franklin's former OCs. I don't think Franklin ever really trusted John Donovan. I don't think he completely ever really trusted Ricky Ronnie. I, I think pretty early he did not have a good feel about Kirk Sharaka last year. Um, and I do think, but with Moorhead, uh, you know, in 16 and 17 and now with your now, He's he if if they have a strong opinion about something or even if he doesn't, if Franklin doesn't necessarily maybe see it the same way, he'll trust those guys to 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 do those things. I do you really could you really think either Sharaka or Ricky Ronnie would have would have called that deep shot that Clifford took that drew the pass interference when they were backed up 
second and 10 from the, or second and 11 from the one, I don't think there's any chance. And I think, I think James is like, all right, man, this is what he, this is, he trusts Sean. I trust your sitch. Let just let it fly. So what we're getting at here and everything is that there's a lot of optimism and there's reason for optimism, a defense that knows how to bow up in certain situations and is aggressive, probably as an interesting a defense as Brent Pry has ever had. Would you agree with that? Yeah. A coordinator who looks as good as anyone we've. Yes, I do think that's true. Uh, and I, I do think Dave, that Brent Pry has been a fav- a fan favorite in terms of blame. Uh, and maybe some of that's been deserved. But this year, you really can't be unhappy with what he's been able to do with that defense. The way that they've developed some hybrid players, you know, Jaquan Brisker, you know, could probably play linebacker if he had to. They've got big corners who can run. You know, I I think that Brandon Smith could probably, you know, this this is a tangent, but you look at what Micah Parsons has been able to do with Dallas and what he did against the Chargers on Sunday playing defensive end with his hand on, you know, on the ground on sometimes, you know, the way that Brandon Smith plays, I, it wouldn't be surprising me. You know, the, those guys can play down. They can play up. They could play outside linebacker. They could play defensive end. They have so many movable parts, you know, I think on the defensive side and a little bit on the offensive side with a guy like Warren uh, and Theo Johnson. I, I, I just think if you're, if you're trying to game plan against Penn state, you just have to be careful because at some point these guys are going to start to uh, hold on to some of these turnover chances. You know, they could have had six turnovers at Wisconsin. They, they, I think they ended up with three, uh, two big picks late. Brandon Smith, I think eight times out of 10 is going to catch that interception. And the games are probably going to be over with that pick six. Cause Nick's probably would have, you know, that probably would have been a, a pretty defining moment for him and his confidence confidence would have been shot. But I, I think you're going to see more turnovers. Uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, because these guys are aggressive. So both sides of the ball, a lot of reason for optimism. And I'm interested to see where the dynamic goes here because expectations have risen. Uh, I think most fans probably expected nine and three. Now they expect so much more. And man, this is turning into a brutal schedule in ways that we could not have imagined. Maryland is going to be a rough road trip. Michigan State's going to be a rough road trip. Uh, I don't know that we were expecting either of those to be true. Iowa looks clearly like the favorite in the West. I picked them, but I didn't expect them to be head and shoulders above the division like this. That's going to be a brutal road trip. And then what's the other one? Oh, it's Columbus. You didn't even mention Michigan yet. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm talking about those four road trips. Yeah, yeah. Those four, and I haven't even mentioned Michigan. Yeah, Yeah. Michigan's better than they've looked in a while. I mean, Rutgers is better than they were. There it is. I knew it was coming. What I'm I'm trying to tell you is people's expectations are way up here, and six and three in the division could win this division in a time out of the realm of possibility. The way Ohio state's been playing lately, they look crappy against Tulsa. That game was in doubt in the fourth quarter at home. This is going to be a wild race. And I don't know that anyone survive it uh, to the college football playoff. That's going to be the problem for the big 10. All right, Dave. Hey, time flies. I think we're, uh, we're, we're about out of time here. Dave and I are going to be back in a couple of days to actually preview and pick 
the Villanova game. I don't know that we're going to have a lot of uh, interesting things to say about Villanova, but you never know. Maybe James is right. Maybe we maybe. might we might have some Jay Wright news. Yeah. Who knows? That's it for this week. Check us out. I think you can get this podcast. You can see it on YouTube. You can see it on. Uh, I think we're on Stitcher, Spotify. I usually have a post up on Penn Live with uh, uh, with the podcast in it. So uh, it's been fun talking this week about. Really, it was was supposed to be about the press conference, but really, once James vented, that was probably the meat of the press conference. I just thought it was more important to talk about the Auburn game, and I think you agree. It was really, I know it's it was a long day for everyone, but man, that was that game was worth it. That was one of the better. That was one of the better wait out games I've seen. I I just I want to add this before we leave: is that that we had all sorts of protocol against this, so that it was hard to do a video after the game, once we got up in the press box and we, at at no point did we really know whether we could even do it because you have to wear masks and it's stupid to do something with masks. Right. But this is one of the best games we'd ever covered. Not, not full of uh, fireworks necessarily, but just, man, it was full of stress and, and, and twists and turns and it, you had to, you had to talk about it. So that's why we're still talking about it. You yeah. might be talking about it on that Thursday. Who knows? Dave, Dave, your, your badgering of Chris Peterson paid off. Kudos to you. I didn't think she was going to let us do it. She did. Thanks to Chris for letting us do that video. It was well worth it. One thing before we go, Dave, can we, is there a way we can petition somebody uh, in the Pennsylvania government to put some lights on three twenty two? Just so you're not driving into the heart of darkness uh, on the way back, because it's you never know what you're going to see. It's just pitch black. I feel like I'm driving. I'm in a cave. You know what we never do anymore is is UFO country. <laughs> Forty forty five. Just like two lights. I just like every every ten miles have a light up, so we don't drive off the road. Anyway, well, what, yeah, we like it that way up here. What do you guys? You don't. You guys don't have to live up Why here. You What's stay your in Harrisburg. If you stay yeah. in Harrisburg. Going back to the city where you live. That's okay. We like it the way it is. You come up here. You start trying to change things. Yeah, we don't. We don't need that. Why don't you go back to Ohio State? How about that? You, you <laughs> go back there. They have lots of likes in Columbus, Dave. All right, guys, we got to go. We will be back in a couple of days to actually talk about Penn State Villanova. This is the Blue White Breakdown. <laughs>